Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello, hello. Lindsay here. I just wanted to put a little disclaimer on this episode. There were some audio issues during recording and during editing. We did the best we could to clean it up for you, but there are still some little issues in there. So just do the best you can. We did the best we could. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. It's Paige here with Lindsay. Say hey. Hey. (laughs) And we are here to record part two of our thinking patterns. We left off last week on convergent and divergent thinking, um, or the last episode, I guess, because we're going to have a couple in between here, but convergent and divergent thinking and just the power in both of those and the uniqueness. Um, so we're going to pick up where we left off. One thing that I really wanted to bring up that I think we forgot to mention the last time we recorded about this is that every human being on the planet utilizes convergent and divergent thinking. And we just are traditionally wired for one more than the other. Everyone has the ability to access these superpowers. Yeah. And we talk about the strategy, more tangible things like that you can do to make your life easier as a person who has traits of ADHD. Um, we'll talk about with ways to kind of step into more convergent thinking because it has a place, right? There are times mm-hmm. and places where you just need to get the dishes done or need to just pay your bills and respond to emails. <laughs> and you don't, <laughs> Story of my life. Right. Like, and so it, we'll talk about like little hacks that I use or maybe that Paige uses or that we've heard of that can help with those things. But we all have the capability to use both. And one is not better than the other. I, and I think like to be a well-rounded human, you probably need to be able to utilize both when necessary. 100% I agree. And if I could take a divergent turn really quickly, because um, today has been a day of tech issues to set us off on good luck. Let's share a little bit about what we're working on, which is the unofficial name of mindful parenting in your nervous system. Yes, it's a support program. I don't want to say support group because people think therapy. So a support program where we walk you through for four weeks, implementing strategies to help regulate your nervous system. This will include helping you set up like a support plan for preventative things, things you do every day to support your nervous system, as well as helping map out your nervous system. So you know what your typical responses are to your triggers, whether it's fight, fight, freeze, fawn, what regulation strategies work best for you so that you can feel really empowered and like you are making progress in the journey of regulating your nervous system. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, because I specialize in working with neurodivergent people and with anxiety and a lot of that goes into developing the skills, like the ability to regulate and heal your nervous system um, are these foundational skills, right? Because if we are in a state of anxiety, our stress response is activated. If we're reactive to our kids, our stress response is activated. If we are 
um, have high emotionality and low frustration tolerance, which we'll talk about when we go over chapter five. Your stress response is activated, which means your nervous system is actively trying to keep you safe from a perceived threat. So what we'll be doing, which I love, is pretty much what I cover in a lot of my therapy sessions because we have to start at the foundation. We have to learn the foundation of moving your nervous system out of fight or flight so you can access healing in the different parts of your brain before we can learn to control or mitigate your symptoms. So I am excited about the group specifically for that reason. We'll be able to work with you providing the same information that we know has been foundational and vital for the healing of so many of our clients. Yes. And this is the first time Paige and I have done anything on a group program. So um, Mm -hmm. our journey, Mindful as a Mother's journey has been the podcast and these kind of like one-off couple times a year, we'll do a masterclass or um, have an offer. Right. And they're mostly all been masterclasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time we're doing anything like a group program. And I feel like it's time. I feel ready. I think we're ready for it. And I think you guys are ready for it. And you will, if you love our masterclasses, you're really going to love this because this is like daily contact with Paige and I about your nervous system. We'll have daily exercises Mm -hmm. and a Voxer chat, like um, the support and really if like handholding to do these really hard things. Yeah. And it's individualized to what your experience is other than the general kind of vague things that we talk about and then ask you to do further research because we don't know you. I love the opportunity of really getting to know and support you guys one-on-one. Yes, I agree. All right. So convergent and divergent thinking, Lindsay, take it away. Yeah. So there's three convergent thinking um, and the last one is my favorite, but we'll start with the most boring one first. Um, and that's <laughs> that sounds right. And that's the like more ways you can use something, right? So it's like the problem solving. Like if I show you an object and you think of 10 different things you can do with it, that is pretty. flexibility. Neat. It What? I said, that's pretty neat. I hadn't realized that fluency could be described in that way. Like taking one thing and then ha- having a variety of options of how you could use it. Yeah, so the example of the book that we're referencing um, in this uh, season is a hanger. Um, But I, and I find myself doing this with like creating, like I made a standing desk out of uh, earlier today, just like finding creative ways to use objects. Mm -hmm. Flexibility is the ability to think in a flexible way. And this is a, a skill that, I think more people could use when it comes to like holding two opposing viewpoints. So if you're a therapist, this is why we're such great therapist pages because we're neurodivergent and we can sit (laughs) and hold two opposing viewpoints of like, I see this person's perspective and I see this person's perspective and how can we communicate that to each other? The third one is funny. (laughs) Research shows that people with ADHD are typically more witty and more clever than their neurotypical counterparts. So we're funny. We're funny. I can't, I can't with that. Just so you know, I'm funny. Like I'm really funny. That's why you guys are here. That's the honesty of it. Everyone's here. We had to pause because we had a technology freeze and the going belief 
is that I actually am hilarious, but I was resistant to the idea. So here there we go. go. I love it. <laughs> I used to have this saying when I was in college and I would never, this is really bad for your self-esteem. I never recommend saying this to yourself, but I said, if I can't be pretty, at least I want to be funny. Like that's my goal in life is to be funny. So um, I've always been myself like very humorous. Yeah. Well, I think you're pretty and funny. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have been talking to myself that way back then, but I've always loved there. my sense of humor. <laughs> okay. So the, so those are like wrapping up the upsides of divergent thinking. We're talk about the downsides and these are not, I don't want people to see these things as like a end all be all and feel bad about yourself or get stuck in this helplessness feeling like Paige mm-hmm. said at the beginning. Um, we all have the capacity to think convergently and divergently. These downsides happen when you get stuck in only thinking in a divergent way all of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And most things all of the time are bad. Sleep is good unless it's all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Moderation, all things in moderation. And sometimes yeah. you have to practice what moderation looks like. So, um, and and I want to talk about how these um, pertain to parenting too, because almost everyone here is a parent. So the downside is you can get stuck in the weeds, meaning you get focused on things that maybe don't matter as much. And I've done this before. I'll get really hyper-focused on one, one detail or thing or one topic that isn't actually important to like the grand scheme of things. The other thing that can happen is when I'm parenting, I'll get focused on maybe a behavior or something that isn't all that important in the grand scheme of things. But it, to me, it feels like I need to figure out why my kid is doing this you know, how can I help them, blah, blah, blah. And really it's just maybe that they had a bad day. Uh, Mm -hmm. Examples can you think of for getting stuck in the weeds? Um, Literally yesterday when I should have been reading chapter five of this book and coming up with the skills I wanted to bring to our audience. And instead I was writing emails. Yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah. And I put (laughs) off the thing I need to do first. Like I should, uh, the low hanging fruit. Yeah. <sighs> Is that what we call it? No. Um, Things that I end up, I need to do first are typically the hardest, which is the high apples in the tree. Cause I don't want to climb up there and pick those apples. So yeah. I'm going to pick whatever's close. Oh, you know what? I've been avoiding. There we go. It just slipped my mind. I've actively been avoiding cleaning the playroom because I know it's going to be mundane and boring and it's going to take a lot to like force myself to do it and I keep thinking that I'm avoiding it because I know it's boring and it's like an undesirable task but now I'm going to get ants anyways I was thinking about that yeah well and I think too that requires a lot of executive function so sometimes Mm -hmm. you know what like planning organizing making decisions like it's exhausting for an ADHD brain to focus and and do that and so you're knowing it's going to be difficult for your yeah exactly but I'm like don't worry I'll down- just do all the laundry in the house and Fine. then clean the playroom if I have it's time all done. <laughs> and then you never have time right yeah 
Um, the second one is too much information, giving too much information, too much detail to things that maybe we don't need to give as much detail to. Um, this can also include going off on tangents that don't actually matter. Um, when I tell a story, I'm like giving context, I'm all over the place, sharing things that maybe don't need to be shared. Listen to this podcast and I'm sure you'll hear a lot of that from me. So Yeah, I was like, oh my God, page? literally every time I interrupt you on this podcast, but I went on a date with Zane last night and I've been working on this part because I get a lot of comments about they're like, you don't have to tell me all that. And I was like, but I'm just talking, like, I'm not justifying. I'm not defending. Like I'm literally giving you every detail of the story because that's what my brain tells me is important to tell you. And so last night he asked me a question that I can't remember was something about the schedule and he watched my eyes flutter around for a minute and then I was like yep it'll be a pretty busy week and that he's like that looks really suspicious like I'm trying to plan something mischievous we were talking about how it comes across that way but in reality I was filtering because when he asked me that I was about to give him every single detail of everything I had to do this week even though it has nothing to do with him so I was like actively trying to filter it but you read it all over my face that something's happening in my brain and then I don't say it out loud I love that. I I think I vary in this one. Um, it just kind of depends. But I think sometimes it is important for me to like talk through things if problem solving. So sometimes the information is needed, I feel like. But I get how other people can be like, okay, I don't need all the facts here. Mm-hmm. The well, the most common one. Thinking, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. The most common one I hear is like, oh, you're being defensive when that's not the case. Like, it sounds like I'm justifying my behavior or my children's behaviors. But I think the problem is that I know so much about human behavior that now I'm just like, instead of like, here's the answer. Like, well, and not this to get, I handle so we're going to take a tangential turn here. Buckle up, <laughs> grab the oh shit handle. So if you don't know about human design, Paige and I are both, we have like almost the exact same human design chart, which is silly that we are, uh, it's just silly that we're together. (laughs) So anyway, you're a manifesting generator. So part of your design is that you have to inform about what you're doing or what you're thinking. So I think for you, it's about feeling that need and that pressure to inform, but then having to filter how much do I inform, right? Yeah, 100%. I feel like that's so true. It's like, I'm just- You can cut that part out if you want to, but. Nope. Nothing shall be cut. Nothing. Are we recording now? Okay. We are recording. <laughs> this is going to be an editing shit show. It's the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the third downside is not sticking to an idea. And this can be, I mean, and this goes with like not being able to implement. So having a lot of ideas, not implementing them all, not following them through to a completion, um, having one idea and then having another idea and then having another idea and not ever starting anything. This -hmm. can be really frustrating for people around us. It can also be um, like the number one killer of productivity or actually getting things done. That's so true. I feel like I identify with that. Like I'm going to go, I have all of these things to do and I don't really know 
the best use of my time. So then I end up not doing any of them. Yeah, or I try to do too many things and I have time blindness and then I get frustrated because I don't have time to do all the things that I thought I should be able to do. Mm. Yeah, that's another one. So I had decision fatigue last week. I had decision fatigue last week is what I call it. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. And I think it has a lot to do with like having to make a lot of decisions. And then just not moving forward with any of them. Because typically I find myself fairly decisive. I'm like, this is what needs to get done. I'm planning it. We're there. However, there were so many options. And then because I knew there were so many options that included so many people, I started thinking about all the different ways it was impacting all the different people included in each scenario. And then I literally just couldn't choose. I was like, somebody make the decision. I don't want to make the choice. I don't want to make the choices. I'm going to be happy regardless. I need somebody else to actively make a decision because I just cannot get myself to make a decision. That's why I feel a lot of the time. I'm very indecisive. And maybe I just had the thought, well, but really when it only requires other people's input. So um, like what we're going to eat, I feel indecisive because then I'm like, going through my head like well I know this person like this and this person like this and this person like this but if I was on my own I would just get what I wanted you know yeah so it feels a little easier to be decisive that way yeah I totally consider that divergent thinking though I think that's one of our pitfalls of divergent thinking because you get one scenario and then the flexibility and the fluency of how the scenario could play out right depending on what we decide to get for dinner I really think that that's a pitfall of divergent thinking well then you add rejection sensitive for of like is this person going to be upset if I say I really want cafe Rio or okay so let me tell you a real life story so my house I I eat like the same five things okay um from restaurants so whenever we talk about door dashing or ordering food I there's two places that Tim complains about because I ordered I have ordered from there a lot Zupa's cafe Rio oh there's actually three and Huggies it's like a sandwich place. Anyway, he'll say, well, I want something, but I don't want, if he says, I don't want Zupas, then I'm like, okay, well, am I, am I going to pick the wrong thing? Like, is he going to be upset? And he's, he's usually not, he's super chill. And he'll tell me if he's upset, but then it's my own mental process of, okay, but these are my go-to things. Now, what do I pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I think that that's a really good Cafe Rio, it's hard to make myself want something else also because dopamine yeah flexibility okay so now let's talk about the tangible tips the things you can do to help balance your urgent and divergent thinking um the the first tip seems really simple but it is to try and use them more equally or ask yourself in the situation you're in, what kind of thinking is best for right now? I do this every single morning when I am getting ready because my brain wants to clean the kitchen, change the laundry, do all the things, right? That I was too tired to do last night and I said I would do today. But what I actually need to be doing is making lunches, getting kids ready for school, getting myself ready for the day, packing my own lunch, those other things. So to keep myself on track, I say, like, what do I need to accomplish? What do I need to be focusing on? Those are things you can ask yourself in the moment to bring yourself back to convergent thinking. The other tip I have is 
one goal at a time. So if I'm trying to make a lunch, that is the only thing I'm focusing on until it's done so that you're less likely to get caught in the mind. Do you have any suggestions, Paige? Mm, I really like that. Um, I was thinking about how I move myself back to convergent thinking and like the easiest way to do that. And I think that I haven't spent a lot of time building my awareness on when I'm existing in divergent versus convergent. So I think I want to start building more awareness of that. So if you were to describe ways to build our awareness and identify this is convergent thinking versus this is divergent, what would you suggest? So I would think of the times where you struggle the most with monkey mind, rabbit, like thinking where you're going from thing to thing and where you feel the most pressure in your day-to-day life. So for me, that's the morning routine. Um, For someone else, it might be the bedtime routine. It might be when I'm cleaning, whatever that is, right? And then Mm -hmm. when you're, the next time you're doing that thing at the beginning, be really intentional and say, okay, what kind of thinking is needed here? And how can I make sure that I stay in that kind of thinking? Yeah. Something came to my mind when he said that, and I, it was that I had the tendency to push my divergent thinking onto my children. So like they are doing the thing that I've asked them to do, but then halfway through that thing, I'm telling them to do something else. Oh, same, same. Okay. And sometimes Tim will be like, slow down and some of it is because of the time blindness like and I'm all over the place like I just am like trying to hurry them too Mm -hmm. yes I've noticed myself doing that and I felt like based on my knowledge of it not because I was actually feeling it but I was like I think this is not good for them (laughs) I think I'm sending mixed signals and then they're not going to bring any tasks completion because I'm asking them to do a thousand things at once not realizing that that is what I do constantly. And so what I started doing, and I'm going to use this to apply it to myself, was I started slowing myself, intentionally slowing myself down. I think that's a lot of my coping skills for a lot of things and including flexibility. Like if I have to pivot last minute, I have to intentionally slow myself down and it doesn't mean that the feeling goes away I still have this like felt sense of urgency within me or like I'm forgetting something or I need to be doing something right now but just acknowledging that that exists and holding on to the idea that it will end like that feeling will end (laughs) and if I can ride that wave then I will be able to achieve more flexibility and it will be all right yes dude since I've been regulating my nervous system I've become more and more in tune with I can tell when the motor is running, like when I'm starting to like amp up to being scattered or in like low level fight or flight. And that's mm-hmm. where I think I start to to not be able to finish one thing and I'm kind of doing stuff all over the place. And so knowing what that feels like in my body, I wish I could describe it better. Um, it kind of like I'm doing a lot of things, but not getting anything done. And I'm just all over the place. Um, and now that I recognize that it's deliberately slowed down and focus on just one thing, I can almost immediately get back into a regulated space. Now I'm doing other things like meditating and other nervous system supporting things as well. But like yeah. that has really helped me because if I spiral too far, it can take me a long time to get back to a regulated state. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think it's really interesting that so much of our bodily awareness increases when we start to take care of our nervous system more often, because you can identify it sooner and like at lower levels when things are happening. Like I think about me, it was seven years ago when Zane hurt my feelings. And while he was at work, I packed up the children and I drove to a different state for a vacation. And he didn't know until he got off work. And I was like, I was literally fleeing. That was flight, active flight. But I couldn't identify it on an internal or an emotional level. Like I was physically flying away because it was like an emotionally tense situation that we were trying to work through. And I wasn't like used to being in a safe place for any kind of emotional expression. So I was like, that's so funny. And so when I realized that, I started noticing that some of my instinct is to like flee, fly, whatever it is. I don't know how to say it in present tense, but like emotionally, I try to leave. Whether that's like the my physical proximity of like driving. I literally drove from Arizona to Idaho. He called me when I was in Vegas and he was like, where are you? And I was like, oh, Las Vegas, Nevada, which is like six hours away from where I lived. Like I had run away six hours on my way to Idaho. <laughs> um, so anyways, bringing it all back. At, at what point did you calm down and you were like, maybe I jump the gun here? A little maybe I overreacted by taking our kids and driving away. Um, <laughs> it was about Salt Lake, which is 13 hours from our place. And I had a 15 year old kid and a five month old. So 15 month and five month old. I think I said that wrong the first time. My kids were little, little. And so I had left on like a Sunday and I finally got to Salt Lake and I was like, okay, well, maybe things really aren't that bad. And then I continued anyways. I was like, well, still going on vacation. But (laughs) he was able to, um, we booked a flight for him to join me in Idaho the next weekend and he drove with me back to Arizona he didn't realize how wild I am in the beginning um so anyways bringing it back I noticed that that's kind of my instinct so I feel like when my my nervous system is lit up I find way find ways to flee and I think doing a lot of things at once creates a level of distance so like if I'm already overstimulated, now I'm going to continue trying to do too many things at once because I'm already in a low level flight, fight or flight, which makes it harder for me to achieve regulation. But I'm creating, I feel like I'm creating more distance between myself and the thing that's stimulating me. And I was starting to do that to my children also. And then I was like, hey, go pick up your room and take a bath. Okay, now go brush your teeth. Like while you're in the bath, here's your toothbrush. And then while you're brushing your teeth, I'm going to wash your hair. Like it, it was real. And then while you're in there, I'm going to read you stories so we don't have to read later. <laughs> like, it was excessive. So I had to actually slow myself down and, and a really, I think, successful story of helping move me this weekend and intentionally slowing down. I was, And I wish I could gift everybody the bodily experience of having like a peaceful nervous system. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people have experienced it, at least not in our generation. Mm-mm. And it is a feeling unmatched, like internal, just joy 
in peace. Like everything feels warm. And so this weekend, I really, really focused on that. And on Sunday, um, we had a lot to get done, but I spaced it out over the entire day. And I was like, I kept checking in with my body. I was like, how do I feel right now? And so I was like, okay, all right, everyone, we're going to go pick up the garbage in our bedrooms. And, you know, because I was calm and regulated and not pushing them to do, I'm like, go pick up the trash and put put the books in the corner. And then we're going to we're going to go clean the playroom and then we're going to put away your laundry like all at once. It was a completely different experience for them. So when I would normally get a ton of pushback and anger about just picking up garbage, I was like, let's go. We're all going to go together. And I consciously made the decision to let go of whatever timeline I felt like I had and number of things I felt like I needed to get done. And at one point I was like, oh, I really want to um, start making dinner because I had this plan for dinner but my body needed to rest. Like when I checked in, I was like, I'm really tired and I need to rest. So instead I opted for them to eat leftovers from the night before and not put a rush on when that was going to happen. And I laid down and took a nap. I love it. So that was a little divergent tangent there for us but I one way that we can actively move from divergent to convergent thinking is trying to focus on one thing at a time and with that comes hopefully the bonus of regulating your nervous system yes and that's always a good bonus to have I agree um this kind of lends to what you are talking about focusing on um too too much on accomplishment or the end product instead of the process. So if we get uh, focused on too many end products, like having all the boxes checked, all the things done, um, it can distract us and send us into more of like a doing a hundred things at the same time. But if we focus on the process of the thing that we're doing, it's easier to stay present in the moment. So, and enjoying the process, you'll find so much more in if you focus on enjoying the process even in the like simple mundane boring things then enjoying the outcome of it yeah i agree and learning to let go of the outcome detach from the outcome has been something that i focused on too which being able to detach leads me to more convergent thinking yeah excellent i agree yeah being able to tap into that so if you find yourself stuck in finding problems try and finding solutions so this can like help. It's a hack that like helps trick your brain into that convergent thinking. So if I'm noticing like, okay, I need to do this. This is out of place. This is out of place. It's like, okay, what is the solution for the messy kitchen? Well, first I need to clean the dishes. Done. Okay. So trying to be solution focused when you need to use that convergent thinking. Um, let me, I got notes. <laughs> oh don't be making simple tasks complex so we tend to with divergent thinking we tend to like make things more complicated than they need to be so um and this is we talked a lot about this but um this is maybe from a difficult by adding things in that don't necessarily need to be done right now or by getting perfectionistic about things that don't matter or trying to Mm -hmm. do all the things instead of just the specified tasks so you're going to clean your playroom you maybe just want to pick it up vacuum it do a basic clean 
If you get distracted in your rearranging furniture and washing walls and baseboards, you're probably making the task more complicated than it needs to be. That's fair. That's right. Do you have any more thoughts on that? Sorry. That's fair. I was trying to think of ways that I make things more complicated than they need to be. Definitely, Definitely. giving instructions to babysitters way more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Like, I, I, go ahead. I was just thinking when we went out last night, I was talking about um, bedtime for the kids and that I had changed because they had taken care of our kids before that I had changed the routine. And so basically I was like, I haven't given them any melatonin. And then I was like, this is why, and these are the behaviors you can expect to see. And if this happens, then we can look at it this way, which I think is a lot of divergent thinking. Um, and really in reality, Zane was like, so no melatonin and we're going to go. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, that's basically what I meant. I was just making it really complicated. Um, so I want to talk about ways to help if you're struggling with switching from divergent to convergent thinking. We've talked about like checking in with body awareness. What does the task require in this moment? But, um, some two other really practical things you can do, they kind of tie into each other. Um, one is schedule convergent tasks and divergent tasks if you can in blocks. And I kind of do that. We kind of run our business this way and where we have like big blocks where we record episodes because that is more like divergent thinking. Um, and then I have blocks where I do like my admin stuff and my notes and those things that require more of like convergent. I need to stay focused on the task at hand. So um, having a, a time block schedule. So maybe cleaning is in a, a certain hour of the day and self-care time is a certain hour of the day. This can help you. Um, get in the frame of thinking you need to be in and stay in it for longer periods of time. Um, people with ADHD really struggle with transitions. So if you go from like a convergent task to a divergent task, it can be really hard to like go back and forth. But if you can group the tasks together, you can kind of get all of the convergent tasks done at one time and then move to the divergent or however you want to do it. Um, mm -hmm. The second tip is to re reduce the number of transitions that you have in your day and the block schedule does this so because that transition piece is hard um trying to reduce the number of times you have to transition if you have something that you really need to get done okay so an easy way to think about this would be convergent tasks are things that require focus um and a very streamlined process so like let's say bookkeeping Let's say writing notes. That's us as a therapist, or like um, paying bills, high, we, emails, cleaning. yes, answering yeah. emails. Things where we go from point A to point B. Like that's it. That's where we need to go. And divergent tasks are things that take a little more creativity. Like we can group them as as creative. Would that be fair? Yeah, or um, like allow for that time piece or more flow like a flexibility um yeah because yeah. I know in our business di divergent time blocks are creativity so like recording the podcast for us are divergent but preparing the podcast for us are convergent yeah 100 percent um yeah this can be 
also like um like if you have something you're interested in and you want to like do research on it or like explore it um it's hard because most of the world wants to be like more convergent thinking mm. okay i'd like to come up with more examples of divergent to help our audience be able to identify that in themselves the only thing i can really connect it to is creativity and I think that's because that's where most of my divergence flourishes in like creativity and pro like problem solving well and maybe um I would say because your brain naturally probably likes that state more those are going to be the times where you're more like your times where you're connecting with friends or you're more like uh, in your authentic self and you're not forcing mm -hmm. your brain to be more in the convergent thinking pattern Okay. What would you define the convergent thinking pattern? Where you're focused on one problem, one solution. Okay. That's what I was looking for, I think. One, one so. task, one way to do it. So like if you're just chilling with your family, you could be doing whatever. But if you're like, okay, I need to return emails. I need to pay the bills. I need to do the laundry. Those are like, you know. One task, Very one solution. One. Yeah. Okay. I think that helps. I think that would be an easier way to categorize okay. if I'm looking throughout my day and I'm like, hey, what's convergent? What's divergent? How can I maximize my potential in each of these areas? If I think of it as like, okay, one task and one way to complete it. What are what are okay. things I have to do today where it's one task and one thing to complete versus more flexibility? Yeah. Um. Okay. So I saw this reel on Instagram. I'm going to find this girl's name so I can give her credit for it. And this will, this will be a really good example. This will help you. Um, but I just got to find her name first. Because I don't remember anyone's name. <laughs> Same. Okay. Um, okay. It's Life's Pretty Wild is her Instagram uh, handle. And... She talks about how the Swiss cheese method of scheduling does not work for people with ADHD. So she uses the example of her neurotypical husband, who he can check emails and his text messages all day long, and it doesn't affect him. But because people who struggle with um, focus and transitions, it takes us a long time to get back focused into the thing we're doing. So what she recommends doing is setting specific times to check your text and emails and respond to those things, um, notifications, even as far as social media, because you're less likely to get sucked into that and then be down a rabbit hole, right? So mm -hmm. there's certain times and spaces for those activities. So like scrolling on social media is maybe a divergent activity. And if you schedule that rather than trying to have so many transitions for like picking up your phone, looking at it, and then having to like take the energy to get down, get back, refocused on what you're doing. Um, that can be really helpful in like maintaining momentum and energy levels when it comes to like convergent divergent thinking. Did that example help? Yeah, I think that was super helpful. Mostly I want to make sure that the people listening to our podcast will be able to take the information and digest it in a way that's applicable. So I think that that was super helpful. Yeah. And it is a, a, a vagueish big concept because mm -hmm. nothing's black and white, right? So like there's yeah. probably a creative way to do the dishes you know, and it's not bad to do that, but you just have to be asking yourself in the moment, like, is this, am I doing tasks that, um, 
in a way that make them longer and take more of my mental energy. And if you are, you might be using divergent thinking to do convergent tasks. Um, so really you just want your life to flow in a way that feels like it's easy and manageable for you. And that takes a little bit of intentionality, which may require mm -hmm. checking in with yourself and asking what, what, what does this specific situation call for? Yeah. Yeah. And instead of advice. labeling it with the convergent or divergent thinking, it can even be helpful to say like, okay, the, the task I need to accomplish is blank. That's all I'm going to focus on right now is that one task. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good shift. Just verbalizing it. It's like this one task, the dishes is what I'm going to do. Done. Done. Great. Well, if you guys have specific questions about the last two episodes, when we talk through conversion and divergent thinking, please reach out to us. Mindful is another pod at Gmail. You can also find us at TikTok, um, Instagram, Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW or Parenting with Paige. And we're so grateful that you're here. Reach out to us with any questions. See you next week. Lindsay and I talk a lot about the nervous system in parenting, and we have just launched a totally free resource because we understand how hard it is just to understand the foundations and figure out what your triggers are to learn how to regulate your nervous system. So we have created the nervous system um, foundation. We call it Nervous System 101, and we're going to go ahead and put the link in our show notes. So if you want to learn the foundation and basics that we teach about regulating your nervous system, don't forget to check it out. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.